We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we have three hours plus of some of the very best in jazz music to uh, deliver to your uh, hungry ears. And uh, we hope that you can uh, stay around for as long as you can and uh, enjoy the music. We have uh, a couple of things on the agenda this evening. Of course, our jazz feature is going to kick off the show. But we're also going to pay a final tribute to uh, Black History Month after the jazz feature. And this is an album that was extremely important in the recorded legacy of Sonny Rollins. And it was one of the very first um, long pieces of music that Sonny Rollins felt that he had to perform, write, and record. And the album is dedicated to basically African-American people and the idea that they are equal and have every right to the same freedoms as any others. And uh, Sonny Rollins wrote the Freedom Suite and performed it uh, on an album called the Freedom Suite. That made up one side of, um, of a 12-inch vinyl album, the original issue, and the other side was a, a bunch of um, uh, standard tunes that made up the rest of the album. But the important piece of music was this 20-minute uh, suite called The Freedom Suite, and it was performed with uh, an extremely bare-bones band. But on bass was one of the greatest of all bass players, modern bass players, Oscar Pettiford, and on drums was Max Roach. And it's an incredible piece of music, and we're going to hear that after the jazz feature. And I've got a little story connected with it as well. Um, The magazine Jazz Times had written an article on music that uh, jazz musicians made that was socially significant. And, of course, it mentioned all the legendary pieces such as Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit, Um, and uh, a piece by Benny Goodman with Count Basie on piano called Gone With What Wind, Um, things like that, and and other pieces uh, that were um, made as protests to to civil rights and equal rights, Uh, Charles Mingus's Fables of Fabus, and then, of course, the very, very famous album that we have featured on the show a couple of times, Max Roach's Freedom Now Suite, which was an incredibly uh, controversial um, piece of music, and, uh, and so many other things. But somehow they left out this very early album by Sonny Rollins and didn't mention it at all. And uh, Sonny responded with a letter to the Jazz Times stating his concern about this, and he also stated unequivocally that this was one of the very first uh, extended compositions dedicated 
to uh, the principle of uh, freedom, equality, and civil rights. And um, anyway, we'll get to that uh, after the jazz feature, and I'll read you uh, part of uh, the letter that uh, Sonny wrote to the Jazz Times magazine. But we have lots to do, and we're going to get on with our jazz feature, and it's really a very kind of simple recording. There's no uh, designated leader on this recording because it is a group of musicians that had something in common. They all grew up and developed their skills in their hometown of Memphis, Tennessee, and they all went on to jazz prominence um, in the world. And they were all young men when they recorded this album, and it's a rather elusive item. It came out on United Artists Records, and it was called Down Home Reunion, featuring the young men from Memphis. And they were all young at the time. They were all in their 20s. And this was recorded uh, January 30th, 1959, in New York City, where these, um, all these gentlemen had finally moved to the Big Apple and were performing and working in various bands. And they all came together for this um, informal uh, recording. There were no um, elaborate arrangements written. Um, they were basically uh, uh, four tunes um, played on the album, and uh, I don't think there was a whole lot of um, thought of, of, of arranging and, and doing a big production. Uh, these All these gentlemen were incredible soloists and uh, were capable of, uh, well, carry on. Uh, carrying on these uh, these these four tunes, and the people involved. We begin with Phineas Newborn Jr. on piano. Now Phineas is probably the most underrated of all the virtuoso uh, pianists, and I include people like Oscar Peterson, uh, Keith Jarrett, uh, McCoy Tyner. These were um, incredible uh, uh, pianists. Phineas Newborn is, is constantly, um, people f have forgotten about him. He was one of the most, uh, he had a technique to rival Art Tatum's, and uh, he was a marvelous piano player. So he was the elder statesman here uh, on these recordings, and he had been in New York longer than anyone. He, uh, he arrived in New York under the auspices of Count Basie in 1956, and he had established himself already uh, in New York City. So we have Phineas Newborn on piano. We also have his brother, Calvin Newborn, on guitar, a very fine guitarist, and on bass, a gentleman whose uh, original name was George Joyner, he later uh, adopted uh, Islam, the faith of Islam, and became Jamil Nasser. And uh, Jamil Nasser, of course, worked with uh, Ahmad Jamal for so many years and a, an extraordinarily talented bassist. Uh, and recorded with everybody, including John Coltrane, all kinds of people. So we have Jamil Nasser on bass. And least known, perhaps, is the drummer here, uh, a gentleman named Charles Crosby. He worked with uh, Roland Kirk, worked with Sonny Rollins, and was a um, very, very fine, tasteful, all-around good drummer. Now we get to the horns, and one of my all-time favorite alto saxophonists, I think Frank Strozier, for me, 
is very, very close to my heart uh, in terms of uh, uh, the way he plays. And uh, his harmonic knowledge was even acknowledged by John Coltrane, who said that he was one of the most advanced harmonic thinkers that he had ever heard. Frank Strozier uh, is still alive. Uh, He doesn't play anymore, sadly, but he is still alive and well in New York City. He taught school for many, many years. Uh, but here he was a young man on the way up, and his sound and he, uh, his approach to the alto saxophone is really beautiful. He had a, a kind of a tart uh, tone and a wonderful concept, very, very individual, very easily recognizable. So he's one of the horn players. The other one is still very much alive and playing all the time. I'm talking about Big G. George Coleman. George Coleman is the other. Uh, he and of course George is featured on his main instrument, the tenor saxophone. And um, so we we've covered the two saxophonists, Str- Frank Strozier, and um, the still very active George Coleman on tenor saxophone. Trumpets. We have two of them. One of them was one of the great young trumpet players who was taken at a very early age. He died at age 23, not from drugs or anything like that. He had um, died from uremia, which is a, um, a disease of the kidneys. And he, I guess he was born uh, with that, and he succumbed to that uh, uh, illness, very painful as well, and died at 23, much to the... Um, chagrin of the jazz community because he was such a promising musician. Booker Little, I'm talking about. Booker Little was a virtuoso trumpet player. We think of Wynton Marcellus. Well, Booker Little was kind of the Wynton Marcellus of the late 50s. Uh, Technically, he was a superb player, and he had his own way of of playing. Very, very... um, very, very uh, distinctive style. The other trumpet player is a, a man who was uh, at the time working with Horace Silver and had recorded a couple of very fine albums for Blue Note Records. I'm talking about Lewis Smith. Now, Lewis Smith didn't stay in New York very long, but he was certainly made a, a, a name for himself and um, definitely was missed when he left New York for a career uh, teaching at the University of Ann Arbor in Michigan. And sort of uh, after that, um, Lewis Smith uh, was kind of off the scene, although he um, resumed recording in the 70s and 80s and 90s, um, mostly for European labels. But uh, Lewis Smith, a very, very fine trumpet player. So he's on board here with um, Booker Little. So once again, the personnel, and we go Phineas Newborn on piano, Calvin Newborn, Phineas's brother, older brother, on guitar, George Joyner, or Jamil Nasser, as he's known today, on bass, uh, Charles Crosby on drums, on saxophones, Frank Strozier on alto, and George Coleman on tenor, and trumpets, Booker Little, and Lewis Smith. Now, all these gentlemen cut their teeth, learned their instruments, and got their first experiences in music in their hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. And that was the idea, to put all these uh, musicians together and have them play and record. 
and uh, the recording came off really, really well. S- a couple of the tracks have been uh, issued, but a couple of the tunes on this are very, very hard to find. That's going to be our jazz feature. There's only four tunes on this album. So we begin with Phineas Newborn on piano, Brother Calvin on guitar, Jamil Nasser on bass, and Charles Crosby on drums. And they're going to do uh, a tune. It's actually a, um, an extended, very stylish 12-bar blues written by a man named Avery Parrish in the early 40s. And this tune, called After Hours, was uh, often referred to as the Negro National, or as the unofficial Negro National Anthem. It was a very popular tune, very popular rendition, especially by the composer. And um, at the time, of course, in the 40s and 50s, the term Negro was, was the proper and respectful term for a person of African-American descent. So we hear After Hours and played as only Phineas Newborn could play it. Then we move to the second tune, which is a standard uh, written by Ray and DePaul that Charlie Parker actually put on the jazz map. It's a tune called Star Eyes, and it features one of my favorite alto saxophonists, Frank Strozier. With Phineas Newborn on piano, George uh, uh, Jamil Nasser on bass, and Charles Crosby on drums, just the four of them, and they're gonna and uh, Star Eyes is that tune, and Frank Strozier explores that tune. Tune number three, we bring in the whole band with the two saxophonists, uh, the two trumpet players, and everyone, everyone else I've mentioned. And they're going to play a blues written by Duke Ellington's son called Things Ain't What They Used to Be. And the lead on there will be Frank Strozier on alto saxophone, George Coleman on tenor saxophone, Booker Little and Lewis Smith on trumpets, and, of course, Phineas Newborn, Calvin Newborn, uh, Jamil Nasser, and Charles Crosby. The final tune is an up-tempo 12-bar blues written by Dizzy Gillespie, and it features everyone except... Calvin Newborn, the guitarist, he, he sits this one out. And that's the final tune on the date, and it's called Blue and Boogie. So the four tunes, After Hours, with Phineas Newborn on piano, Star Eyes, featuring Frank Strozier on alto saxophone, Things Ain't What They Used to Be, uh, featuring the whole band, and Blue and Boogie, the whole band with the exception of Calvin Newborn. So that's our jazz feature. Sit back and enjoy it. It's an informal date, kind of a jam session date, and it's uh, beautifully done. And it was all recorded January 30th, 1959, by the young men from Memphis. Here's Phineas Newborn.
Thank <laughs> you. 
And with Charles Crosby's <laughs> bass drum, that was it. That was the Down Home Reunion featuring the young men from Memphis. And um, it's a very hard-to-find album. Uh, it was originally issued on LP. Remember those things? 
uh, on United Artists Records, and it was recorded in New York City on January 30th, 1959. Now, all these guys were born and raised and learned their music in their hometown of Memphis, Tennessee, and they all ventured to New York City um, to make their mark in music. And, of course, some of them were in some very important bands, and some of them were uh, simply important because they were um, so individually great, uh, like Phineas Newborn, the, uh, the pianist. He was there before most of these guys. Uh, he arrived in New York as a young man in uh, 1956. Uh, Count Basie sponsored him. And Phineas, of course, went on to a great uh, career in music. Um, he had some off times uh, due to uh, illness and, and that sort of thing. And, and somehow his greatness has never been fully recognized. But uh, we heard him quite extensively on this recording. I'll just review everything. We, um, the full band included um, two great saxophone players, the incredible Frank Strozier on alto saxophone, one of my all-time favorites, and Big George Coleman on tenor saxophone. Uh, On trumpets, we heard Booker Little and Lewis Smith. Booker Little at the time and George Coleman were both working with Max Roach's band, and Lewis Smith at the time was working with Horace Silver, and he had two wonderful albums under his belt for Blue Note Records that are uh, uh, sought after today. And, of course, I mentioned Phineas Newborn, Jr. on piano, Brother Calvin Newborn on guitar, and Jamil Nasser, who was then known as George Joyner on bass, and a very fine, adaptable, and tasteful drummer who played with um, all kinds of people, uh, like Sonny Rollins and Roland Kirk and different other people, Charles Crosby on drums. He's probably lesser known uh, of any of these musicians. But uh, that's the group. And, of course, they were all put together in different uh, uh, contexts uh, to play these four tunes. So we opened with a great tune written by pianist Avery Parrish in the early 40s, and it became a very, very popular tune, especially among African-American listeners. And the tune was called After Hours, and of course it was based on the 12-bar blues. And it was interpreted by Phineas Newborn on piano, Brother Calvin on guitar, Jamil Nasser on bass, and Charles Crosby on drums. The next tune was a standard that uh, Charlie Parker uh, recorded and sort of put on the jazz map. The great standard, nice tune, um, with a nice melody called Star Eyes. And that was featured alto saxophonist Frank Strozier. And it's my one of my um, big regrets is that Frank Strozier uh, hung up his saxophone many years ago. doesn't play anymore, although he's still alive and well in New York. Um, Frank was heard here, Frank Strozier on alto, with uh, Phineas Newborn on piano, George Joyner on bass, and Charles Crosby on drums in a quartet setting. Tune number three was written by... Duke Ellington's son, Mercer Ellington. And it was a famous blues. Everyone plays this one. It's called Things Ain't What They Used to Be. And that featured the full band. 
Uh, we heard Frank Strozier uh, in an extended solo on alto saxophone once again. On tenor saxophone, George Coleman, and then the two trumpeters, the very individual and wonderful Booker Little and Lewis Smith. Booker Little was uh, an incredible musician. He passed away in um, very early in life. He was only 23, uh, sad to say. He died of uremic poisoning, and it was one of the big blows to the jazz community because Booker Little was a musician of incredible pro uh, promise, and that was cut short. Uh, Lewis Smith was, a, uh, as I mentioned before, had a couple of Blue Note albums under his belt and was working with Horace Silver, but then was offered a prestigious teaching position in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, left New York and uh, sort of dropped off the national jazz scene. Very, very fine trumpeter, influenced by Clifford Brown. So all of those guys, the whole horn section, Phineas Newborn, Calvin, of course, on guitar, Phineas on piano, uh, Jamil Nasser on bass, and Charles Crosby on drums were featured on tomb number three, Things Ain't What They Used To Be. Same band was featured on the final tune, the up-tempo tune, the only one that didn't play, uh, that uh, wasn't on uh, the tune was... Uh, guitarist Calvin Newborn, but all the other guys played and delivered some good solos on the final tune, Dizzy Gillespie's up-tempo blues called Blue and Boogie. So that's it, the Down Home Reunion featuring the young men from Memphis. That was our jazz feature this evening, and we hope you enjoyed it. And it was uh, four tunes, no heavy arrangements or anything, just uh, lots of nice stretching out and lots of nice playing on that and uh, some moments of greatness on that album as well. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and after these uh, important messages, we'll be back with something I mentioned at the top of the show that we're going to feature our um, tribute to Black History Month as it's now coming to a close, we're going to listen to Sonny Rollins and the Freedom Suite. Uh, stay tuned for that. Ocean, border, sub, urban, dispersal, determinacy, mulatto, mestizo, metis, cabra, Eurasian, creole, colored, colored, split. are doomed. An excerpt from The Reinventing Wheel, spoken by author, Vancouver poet, Wade Compton. Celebrate Black History Month with CITR 101.9 FM as we host content exploring black history in Vancouver and beyond. Tune in this February and check out CITR.ca for regular updates on the scheduling of our Black History Month programming. Hi, my name's Matthew. When I first got back from a military tour in Afghanistan, any time I heard a siren or even a car alarm, I'd lose it completely. I would turn into a wild man, screaming, waving my arms. People would yell at me, shut up, you crazy. Get a job, would ya? Well, I didn't go out and get a job. I got help instead. Now, I'm in a clean and safe apartment. I have friends and helpers who understand me. I landed a decent job. 
But I gotta admit, I still don't like car alarms or sirens. I used to think mental illness was a death sentence. I got life instead. This message was produced by Columbian Center Society and Radio Malaspina in British Columbia. Uh, <laughs> we'll tell you about the weather. We usually do that uh, sometime in the show. The up-and-coming weather forecast. All right. Um, I'm sure you're all terribly interested in it. Well, Vancouverites are, are always interested in the weather. And, and uh, of course, we've had some pretty interesting weather. Uh, according to the prognosis, in the next uh, 50 or so years, we're going to get some really interesting weather here. Um, because of all the changes that are taking place. Hmm, interesting. See if it all transpires. All right, tonight is going to be partly cloudy with a 30% chance of uh, rain or even a light flurry with a a low of minus 1. Then tomorrow will be mainly cloudy, and rain is going to be beginning in earnest (laughs) in the afternoon. It's going to be rain, too. And uh, with a low of minus one and a high of six. And then the outlook for the next uh, whole bunch of days, um, periods of rain, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, nothing but rain, with temperatures ranging between plus one and a high of about eight or nine. So none of the... um, the frightful uh, stuff in the forecast, just the usual Vancouver rain. And then Sunday, a little bit of a respite, um, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower with a low of zero and a high of eight. So that's um, pretty well the forecast for the rest of the week into the month of, uh, the merry month of uh, March. And of course, uh, tomorrow's going to be a big day, isn't it? Um, at 1161 West Georgia Street, mm-hmm. the opening of, uh, oh, you know what it is. I'm not, I'm not even going to mention it, but that's, there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some action downtown, I think. Hmm. Should be a very interesting day in the big city. Yes. All right. We're going to get to music. And this is, um, as February is coming to a close, this is kind of the close of Black History Month. And, um, of course, uh, a most important time, and jazz musicians uh, traditionally, some of the, most of the major movers and shakers in in jazz have all been African-American musicians, and some of them have made some incredible contributions. Uh, Some of them, like... um, well, Louis Armstrong, 
recorded a, a long time ago a, a tune called What Did I Do to Be So Black and Blue? Billie Holiday recorded Strange Fruit. Um, even though she was discouraged uh, uh, to do so, she managed to put that tune on a small independent. She was signed with Columbia Records, and they basically said no, they weren't going to record her doing that tune. She felt very strongly about it, and she went to an independent label and recorded her version of Strange Fruit, which, of course, is a uh, a very eerie and um, very, very moving piece of music to do with a lynching. Various other musicians uh, made... Um, music that was uh, pertaining to the plight of African Americans. And, and uh, Charles Mingus wrote a tune called Fables of Fathers, which became almost an anthem for him. Um, other people, Max Roach recorded uh, an album called We Insist, The Freedom Now Sweet, which was written uh, with Mr. Roach and Oscar Brown Jr. And of course, that became one of the um, very, very controversial um, records, mixing jazz and politics. Um, back in the early 40s, even Count Basie and Benny Goodman um, recorded a tune called Gone With What Wind. And um, just the title of that tune, you knew that it was uh, um, a little piece of protest music. Now, the prestigious jazz magazine, The Jazz Times, had an article recently about this type of music, um, music that was called protest jazz. It was only a small article, but it included uh, most of the things that I mentioned, including music from uh, Kamasi Washington, contemporary music, uh, Christian Scott, um, and, and various other people. But they left out an important recording, a very important recording, Sonny Rollins' Freedom Suite, which we're going to hear in a very few moments. Sonny was, read the article, and he was a little bit upset that this piece of music was left out of the article, and he wrote them a letter. I'm not going to read you the whole letter, of course, but uh, I'll read you some parts of it um, where Sonny was uh, politely, as Sonny Rollins always is, politely upset with being left out. Essentially, he said, in the modern jazz era, Freedom Suite was the first record that reflected the civil rights period of the time. That was the first that I know of. It was an important thing, a groundbreaking record, and I just don't want to be written out of history. And I'm quoting Sonny Rollins here. That was part of his, his letter. Um, he also mentioned, he said, and I'm quoting Sonny again, I had an activist grandmother, and when I was a little boy, three, four, five years old, uh, she used to take me on marches up and down Harlem for people like Paul Robeson and segregation uh, cases on 125th Street. 
That was just part of my upbringing. Later, when I was playing music and making a little name for myself, I was able to record uh, a song called The House I Live In, uh, which was um, very much uh, a civil rights anthem at the time. I made an early record with Miles Davis with, the compos- with my composition on it called Erigen, which is Nigeria spelled backwards. It was an attempt to introduce some kind of black pride into the conversation of the time. That was my history. The record Freedom Suite was made at the beginning of 1958. It was a trio recording with Max Roach on drums and Oscar Pettiford on bass, and it was an important album. The producer, Nor- Oren Keepnews, took a lot of heat for that record. I made a statement about civil rights on the back cover of that record, and he even had to say at one time that he wrote that statement, which is ridiculous because I did. He wanted to record me on his Riverside record, uh, Riverside label, and that was the piece that he had, and he accepted it. I took some heat for it as well. I was playing a concert in Virginia uh, somewhere at a school down there, and I remember being confronted, not in a hostile or violent way, but verbally, about why I made this record and so on and so forth. There was a lot of these incidences. It wasn't a big deal for me because, as I said, it was quite normal. I was born into a family that was always very cognizant of these things, and I do remember that the uh, controversy was slightly scary, but not too much, because I was a big, strong guy. And when you're young, you think you're indestructible. But in retrospect uh, of it, it was a little scary. Yes, it was. Anyway, it's history. But it is history, and that's why I was distressed to see it omitted from the list. In the modern jazz era, it was the first record that reflected the civil rights period. It was the first that I know of, and it was an important thing, a groundbreaking record, and I just don't want it written off and written out of history. And all that was uh, a quote um, from Sonny Rollins, uh, part of his letter that he wrote to the Jazz Times. So we're going to hear the Freedom Suite um, by Sonny, and it's it's a tremendous piece of music, and it reflects his um, his feelings, and the playing on it, of course, is absolutely marvelous. Uh, Sonny Rollins is um, unbelievable on here, along with the great Oscar Pettiford on bass, and uh, Max Roach on drums, and. Um, I'm going to read you just one more short thing. This is the quote. This is the uh, this quote from Sonny, written by Sonny, appeared on the original LP album cover. And I quote, America is deeply rooted in Negro culture, in its colloquialism, its humor, its music. How ironic that the Negro, who has more than any other people, can claim America's culture as his own, is being persecuted and repressed. That the Negro, who has exemplified the humanities by his very existence, is being rewarded with 
inhumanity. That's a quote from Sonny Rollins that appeared on the original album. And of course, you have to remember that the the term Negro, even though it's not used anymore, was um, the the, uh, respectful way of referring to people of African-American heritage. And uh, it's no longer used. The term African-American came into being in the late 60s and is used to this day, or black. Anyway, just to clear that one up, we're going to get to the music right away. Here is Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone, Oscar Pettiford on bass, and Max Roach on drums, and the Freedom Suite.
And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Sonny Rollins' Freedom Suite. 20 minutes of incredible um, music played by these three gentlemen. Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone, Oscar Pettiford on bass, and Max Roach on drums, all recorded in early 1958 for Riverside Records from an album called simply The Freedom Suite. 
And as I mentioned before in the preamble, Sonny wrote that for everyone, including whites, blacks, the principle of freedom and equality for everyone. And that was an important premise in this uh, instrumental piece. And as Sonny Rollins mentioned, um, it should not be left out of anybody reporting in jazz history um, pieces of music that had to do with politics and civil rights. This was one of the earliest. Sonny Rollins. All right. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR. FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, after these messages, we're going to listen to some music from the fabled Canadian city of Toronto. My good friend, Kirk McDonald, who is one of the most formidable saxophone players in the world, um, leads a big band in Toronto. It's the Kirk mcdonald jazz orchestra they have a brand new album out called common ground and um, it's quite a recording we're going to hear a tune from that which features some uh, great people including um, pj perry on alto saxophone who uh, of course just became uh, a member of the order of canada pj is an old friend of mine and a friend of many people here in vancouver and uh, uh, one of the great legendary players, Neil Swainson, originally from Victoria, is on bass. Uh, and a whole bunch of people will tell you more about it after these messages. And, uh, yeah, the Kirk McDonald Jazz Orchestra. Stay tuned for that. Interested in starting a project to benefit the representation or experiences of historically disadvantaged groups within the UBC community? Apply for funding through the Equity Enhancement Fund, which supports community-based initiatives that enhance equity, diversity, inclusion, and intercultural understanding at UBC. It's open to UBC students, faculty, and staff. The deadline is February 28, 2017. More information can be found at equity.ubc.ca slash eef fund. Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily, at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take-home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Kirk McDonald is uh, 
someone who was very prominent in, in the jazz scene in Canada. And, of course, uh, he's originally from the Maritimes and uh, uh, has made his mark, of course, in the city of Toronto, as so many musicians have. And he leads this big band, and it's the Kirk McDonald Jazz Orchestra. Their new album is called Common Ground. We're going to hear a, a track from that, which uh, features uh, Kelsey Grant uh, on trombone and Brian O'Kane on trumpet, Terry Promain also on trombone, P.J. Perry on alto saxophone, and Neil Swainson on bass. And um, then we're going to follow that with uh, a composition. This is uh, the tune that we're going to hear presently. is called Kirk's Blues. And, of course, it's his composition and arrangements. Uh, arrangement. And the uh, following tune we're going to hear is a tune called Shadows. And it features uh, Nancy Walker on piano, no relation to me, and Kirk McDonald on tenor saxophone. That's tune number two. So we're going to hear two selections from this wonderful album on Addo Records called Common Ground. So here's Kirk's Blues. Thank you. 
Two Pieces by the Kirk McDonald Jazz Orchestra out of Toronto from their latest album called Common Ground. And uh, it's a couple of wonderful arrangements and compositions by, by Kirk. And, of course, uh, we heard on the first tune called Kirk's Blues. And the soloists were Kelsey Grant on trombone, Brian O'Kane on trumpet, Terry Promaine on trombone, P.J. Perry on alto saxophone, and Neil Swainson on bass. And the second tune, a little more reflective piece of music called Shadows, and features some nice textures in the band there. And, of course, the soloists on that were Nancy Walker on piano and Kirk McDonald himself on tenor saxophone. And some um, incredible people um, in this band. It's a very large band, of course. I'm not going to run down all the personnel. But uh, in the rhythm section, we heard Lauren Lofsky on guitar, Nancy Walker, of course, as I mentioned, on piano, Neil Swainson, originally from Victoria, one of the great bass players in Canada, and Barry Romberg on drums. And, of course, uh, all kinds of wonderful musicians, trombonists, trumpeters, saxophone players, etc. in the band. And this is from uh, two t- compositions from the Kirk McDonald Jazz Orchestra's 
latest album, Common Ground. And it's a two-CD set on Addo Records. And um, very worthwhile looking for. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on the web, www.citr.ca. And speaking of the web, there's a couple of great websites, and I always mention them. Uh, One of them, of course, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And uh, they have all kinds of um, things happening there. This is a very interesting website, which is uh, constantly kept up to date. And... Um, of course, it features the schedule at Frankie's, Vancouver's leading jazz club on Beatty Street, which is uh, sponsored by the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society and choreographed musically by the incredible Corey Weeds. And uh, Corey does all the programming for, uh, for Frankie's. And, of course, uh, many of you know that Corey was the uh, former owner of the jazz cellar out on West Broadway that he kept going for um, about 13 years. And uh, he's very well qualified to, uh, to do that kind of work, and he's a wonderful musician himself. So that is um, what you can find on the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. You can make reservations at Frankie's. You can, you can pay for uh, the cover. You can uh, do all kinds of stuff and see who is coming up and who you want to hear. And, of course, they post, uh, Coastal Jazz posts uh, all their up-and-coming events. Coastal Jazz are the people that bring you the big jazz festival every year. And, of course, they're in the midst of uh, planning that uh, prestigious event for uh, later on this year. And uh, it will be an event, as it always is. The other uh, very fine website is one put together by Brian Nation. And that is VancouverJazz.com. And uh, that's a very comprehensive website as well. Biographies and all kinds of interesting links on there. So uh, check out those websites, CoastalJazz.ca or VancouverJazz.com. And one more thing, my friend Ken Speller. Ken Speller is a music teacher, and he uh, has a business called Music at Home. And he will come to your home and teach you how to play the saxophone, or the flute, the clarinet, uh, those instruments. And uh, he is an extremely fine musician himself, of course. And he plays all of those instruments very well. He uh, spent a lot of years in Japan. He also is a marvelous repairman. And, of course, saxophones, flutes, clarinets always require um Sometimes major repairs, sometimes just tweaking. Uh, but if something is wrong with them, you're not going to sound as good as you want to sound. And so um, professionals, amateurs, and students um, uh, go to Ken Speller to get uh, instruments put in shape. And, of course, uh, if you're interested in buying an instrument, he can advise you very wisely on which uh, products to purchase and which would be the best for you, all that kind of stuff. So he can be reached at 778-800-1933, by telephone, or you can email Ken at kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca, kspeller, underscore 14, at yahoo.ca.
Good man to know, Ken Speller. All right. February 27th would have been the 94th birthday for one of the major, and I do mean major, voices of modern tenor saxophone. I'm talking about Dexter Gordon. No one was like Dexter Gordon, an incredible musician. He was really the first um, modern tenor saxophonist to, uh, to play modern jazz, or as it was called back in the early days, bebop. Dexter Gordon really established himself uh, very quickly. He was the son of a doctor, and um, he, of course, um, was born in Los Angeles and, of course, became a, a musician, a formidable musician in his teens. And Dexter Gordon became one of the major voices of the tenor saxophone. He influenced all of these guys, um, including Sonny Rollins, John Coltrane, um, I could name you 15, 20, 25 tenor saxophonists um, that have been heavily influenced by Dexter Gordon. But I, I named two, especially, and especially Mr. Coltrane, who um, Dexter Gordon was his idol in his early days. And John Coltrane sounded a lot in his early days like Dexter Gordon. But there was no one like Dex. And uh, he was very prominent in the 40s, and he moved back to the West Coast in the 50s and kind of uh, fell into some dark times during the 50s and uh, emerged um, healthy and, and clean and just never looked back uh, starting about 1960 when he moved to New York and then eventually moved to Europe and, of course, uh, came back. Dexter was also uh, quite a formidable actor, and one of the best jazz movies was Round Midnight. And Dexter Gordon uh, was nominated in that movie for an Academy Award for his performance. Uh, and if you've never seen that movie, it is to this day still one of the very best and uh, one of the most poignant and realistic jazz movies ever. We're going to listen to Dexter Gordon. He had just uh, moved to Europe when he recorded this album, May 23rd, 1963. Dexter, in incredible form on here, with Bud Powell on piano, who was also an American expatriate, the great French bassist, Pierre Michelot, and, of course, another expatriate, one of the all-time greatest drummers and one of the pioneers of modern jazz on the drums, Kenny Clark. What a rhythm section. This is from an album called Our Man in Paris. We're going to hear two tunes from there. We're going to open with Scrapple from the Apple, tuned by Charlie Parker. And we're going to follow that with Dizzy Gillespie's most famous composition, A Night in Tunisia. So to celebrate what would have been Dexter Gordon's 94th birthday today, February 27th, here is Long Tall Dexter. Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
and the glory of Dexter Gordon. Dexter Gordon on tenor saxophone with the great Bud Powell on piano, Pierre Michelot on bass, and Kenny Clark on drums from this wonderful album done in 1963 after Dexter became an expatriate. Uh, was recorded, of course, in Paris. That's why the title, Our Man in Paris. And we heard two tunes from that album, Scrapple from the Apple, written by Charlie Parker, and, of course, Dizzy Gillespie's most famous composition, A Night in Tunisia, and Dexter in fiery form on that album. And a wonderful uh, recording that uh, was issued by Blue Note Records, Our Men in Paris. Dexter would have been 94 today. He was born in Los Angeles, February 27th, 1923, I believe. <laughs> maybe my maybe my math is off here, but uh, I think it was 1923. Yeah, I've got to add that up and make sure I'm right. I'll correct myself if I'm wrong. Um, after I add it up, I'm just uh, <laughs> um, making a a guess here. We're going to stay in Los Angeles, as a matter of fact, for the next pieces, a uh, n- couple of pieces of music from two different bands. This is um, from a club in uh, a very famous jazz club in Hollywood in the uh, 50s and 60s. Lots of people played there. The club was called the Renaissance, and uh, this was recorded there with the great, he's not a bassist on here, he's playing the cello, and uh, his name, Red Mitchell, the great Red Mitchell. Uh, He's the leader of the band, and he's featured on cello, and on guitar is the great Jim Hall, who we featured last week on piano, Frank Strazeri, and on bass, Jimmy Bond, and on drums, Frank Butler. And this is um, one of the tunes from this album, and it's called Jim's Blues. We take you back to the Renaissance early 1960.
Yeah, we heard two pieces of music that were recorded in Los Angeles. And the first one was live at a club called the Renaissance, and it featured the Red Mitchell Quintet with uh, Red playing cello uh, instead of his usual bass. And Jim Hall featured on guitar, on piano, Frank Strazeri, and on bass, Jimmy Bond, and on drums, the great Frank Butler. And we heard a little blues tune called Jim's Blues. And the second tune was um, played by a band called The Four Souls, and it was Lenny McBrown and The Four Souls. And Lenny McBrown, of course, was a drummer, and The Four Souls are Daniel Jackson on tenor saxophone, who composed that piece, and Don Sleet on trumpet, Terry Trotter on piano, and once again, Jimmy Bond, uh, uh, Herbie Lewis on bass, I'm sorry, and Lenny McBrown on drums. And we heard um, Daniel Jackson's composition called Sodi. All right. Yes, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Jimmy Bond was on bass on that one. Um, Herbie Lewis was is on some other tunes. But Jimmy Bond plays bass on that, just to be sure. And uh, that was recorded in October of 1960 for uh, Riverside Records. And it was from an album called Eastern Lights. Despite the fact that it was recorded in Los Angeles. And uh, the Four Souls were, uh, were based in L.A. They never did much traveling. And they only recorded uh, two albums, uh, which is sad because they were a nice, nice little band at the time. But uh, like a lot of jazz groups rather short-lived. We're going to turn our attention now to the late Larry Coryell, who passed away. He was 73. He's one of the great guitar players. And uh, he, 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 is, he recorded in his career uh, some many kinds of, of different music, fusion, uh, straight-ahead jazz, classical. Uh, he was an incredible musician, but we're going to hear him on two tunes, with Charles Mingus. And this is one of the latter Charles Mingus albums. It was recorded in March of 1977. And uh, the title of the album is Three or Four Shades of Blues. And it's not often that Mingus recorded uh, with a guitar player, but he had two of them uh, on this recording. Larry Coriel is the, the prominent guitarist, and Philippe Catherine is the other guitarist, along with Bob Nellums on piano, George Moraz on bass, uh, Danny Richmond on drums, George Coleman uh, playing alto and tenor saxophone, uh, one or the other, Ricky Ford on tenor saxophone, and of course Mingus, Charles Mingus on bass. We're going to hear two uh, probably of um, Mingus's most famous compositions, uh, an updated version of Better Get It In Your Soul, and tune number two is his famous eulogy to um, tenor saxophonist Lester Young called Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, featuring Larry Coriel on guitar, kind of a memorial to Larry. So I hope you enjoy this music. Thank you. 
We heard two pieces of music from this uh, late period Charles Mingus album with, um, yes, guitar players. He rarely uh, had guitar players in his uh, bands. And uh, this was a, a rather rare recording done March of 1977. And uh, with Mingus, of course, on bass, uh, we heard George Coleman playing alto saxophone on the last tune, soloing, uh, along with uh, Jack Walrath on trumpet in the section. And the prominent guitar soloist was Larry Coriel, the late and wonderful Larry Coriel. Um, Bob Nellums on piano, George Moraz on bass, Danny Richmond on drums. And sort of playing underneath Larry uh, with chords and stuff was uh, another guitarist, the European Philippe Catrin. And uh, we heard two tunes. Uh, Larry was definitely featured on the first tune with uh, Ricky Ford soloing on tenor saxophone. We heard Bitter Get It In Your Soul, and then we slowed things down with a very mournful um, Mingus classic dedicated to the late Lester Young. Goodbye, pork pie hat. Mingus and the great Larry Coriel, who passed away just a few days ago. He was only 73 well, I say only 73, but uh, anyway, that's getting up in years. But, you know, people are living into their 80s and 90s now, so um, it's too bad that Larry was taken away from us. And a uh, wonderful musician who played all kinds of music. He was uh, the guitarist's guitarist and uh, played classical music, played uh uh, great rock and roll, played uh, fusion jazz, played straight-ahead jazz. Amazing musician, Larry Coriel. We're going to turn our attention to Jimmy Heath, wonderful saxophonist who is still very much with us. He is the uh, known as the Middle Heath brother. Um, of course, the eldest brother, Percy Heath, is uh, now in jazz heaven. Jimmy Heath is still with us, and Albert Heath, Tootie Heath, the drummer, is still very much with us. They're on this recording. Uh, and Percy, of course, was still very much alive on this recording. So the three Heath brothers are together here. Um, Jimmy on tenor saxophone, Percy on bass, and Albert on drums. Along with Cedar Walton on piano, Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, and Julius Watkins on French horn. And it's a very nice combination. We're going to hear a couple of tunes. We're going to hear The Quota, written by Jimmy Heath. And then we're going to follow that with um, a very famous composition by Jimmy called Gemini. So The Quota first, followed by Gemini. Jimmy Heath and his group.
Thank you. 
We heard two compositions played by the great Jimmy Heath, and both of those tunes were composed and arranged by Mr. Heath, along with uh, brother, older brother Percy on bass and younger brother Albert Heath on drums, Cedar Walton on piano, Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, and Julius Watkins on French horn. The first tune was called The Quota, and the second tune was uh, Jimmy's composition called Gemini, and the use of the French horn in that uh, second tune was uh, especially effective. Jimmy Heath, and um, of course, Mr. Heath sounding wonderful on the tenor saxophone. We're going to conclude the show this evening with a piece of music by trumpeter Donald Byrd. This was from one of his very first albums, which came out on Savoy Records. And um, Mr. Byrd, one of the leading voices of the trumpet in the 1950s, along with um, Lee Morgan, Donald Byrd and Lee Morgan emerged as two of the young, uh, great protégés of the trumpet. And uh, they were both influenced, of course, by Clifford Brown and, and of course, all the preceding trumpeters. But uh, Mr. Bird had a particularly beautiful lyrical sense on the trumpet. He handpicked this band, the great Frank Foster on tenor saxophone, Hank Jones on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Kenny Clark on drums. And this is a tune by Frank Foster entitled Winter Set. Thank you. 
That's a track from one of trumpeter Donald Byrd's uh, early albums called Bird's Word, and it came out on Savoy Records, and it featured a hand-picked quintet with uh, Mr. Byrd, Donald Byrd on trumpet, Frank Foster on tenor saxophone, Hank Jones on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and the great Kenny Clark on drums, and that was a Frank Foster composition entitled Winter Set. And that was recorded in New York City, well, in uh, Rudy Van Gelder's studio in September of 1955, and still sounds fresh and new. Donald Byrd, one of the great uh, lyric trumpet players of the modern jazz era. Well, that's it for the jazz show this evening, and hope you enjoyed. uh, If you were here for the whole show, great. And if you were here for part of it, just as great. And we hope to see you uh, next week right here on CITR. Our jazz feature artist next week is a very, very fine trumpeter by the name of Howard McGee. And he was one of the early modern jazz trumpeters. And uh, he had quite a career, ups and downs and all this kind of stuff. And we're going to feature him on one of his ups um, after a kind of a dark period in the 50s. He came back roaring and uh, made a wonderful album on the West Coast with um, the great Phineas Newborn, who we heard quite a bit of uh, this evening on piano, uh, Leroy Vinegar, uh, and the great Shelley Mann on drums. It was recorded on the West Coast for Contemporary Records, and uh, it celebrates his return to the jazz scene after, um, as I said, a dark period. And it's called Maggie's Back in Town. Howard McGee, and he's going to be our jazz feature artist next week in the merry month of March. And, of course, March is an important month for CITR. It's going to be Fun Drive Month. Uh, Our Fun Drive goes from March the 9th to March the 17th, and we'll be talking a lot about uh, Fun Drive in March. Take care. We'll see you in seven days' time. On behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, The Jazz Show, and CITR FM 101.9, 
or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we'll see you next Monday. Take care. Bye-bye. Do-ba-dee-oo-doo-wee